Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creation Podcast, the show where we discuss the science that confirms scripture. My name is Ivana, and today I have with me Dr. Jeff Tompkins, ICR's Director of Research and Genetics. Thank you so much for being here today. It's great to be here. Well, today I'm excited about the topic we get to discuss because it's actually, it was one of my favorite subjects in school growing up, and that is biology, but we're going to talk about the cell in particular. And I'm really excited to talk about it because as I learned um, the different parts and components of a cell, I was so impressed with what I had learned about it. I don't want to give anything away so that you can explain it to our audience, but I know most people, if we're talking about the cell, they know cells are in things and they do things and the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Um, But I want us to go further and cells are kind of a new discovery from what I understand. And could you tell us when these cells or any cell um, was discovered and how was it discovered? Well, actually, you know, the idea of, of cells goes back to the mid 1600s. Okay. And Robert Hooke made a very crude microscope, and he looked at cork, which is from a, a tree. It's the outer layer of the, the stem or the trunk. And he noticed little compartments, hmm. and he called them cells, which means little rooms in the Latin. And so that's really where the whole idea of cells got going to begin with, but Scientists uh, did not know what actually went on inside cells for mm. for many hundreds of years afterwards. So the the cell was like a black box and kind of a mystery as, as to what really went on inside it. And now we know a lot about what goes on inside cells, and it's extremely complicated and very exciting and, as you said, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And as they discovered what's going on inside cells, so maybe they thought there's just a bunch of things that go together to make up other things, uh, but as they went inside the cell, how did that change science or people's understanding of biology? Well, scientists started off with the most simple cells that they could work with, which is, is the way research works. You start off with organisms that are conducive to studying that, that tend to be more simple than the more complex mm-hmm. creatures. And so they began studying bacteria, and bacteria, um, I, I don't like to call them simple because they're not, because one scientist basically said the, the E. coli cell, or a simple bacterial cell, E. coli is a bacterium that lives in your gut and helps you digest food, mm-hmm. is more complex than the city of Tokyo. Wow. So scientists started off studying uh, bacterial cells. Now, bacteria are, are different from the cells that make up um, humans or plants or various animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're called prokaryotes. And so they have no uh, nucleus. They have no distinct uh, compartmentalization where they, they're just like little cells within cells or little compartments within them. Although they are, they are highly ordered and stuff within a bacteria or the very various processes and things that go on there are very specific to that region of the bacterial cell. Mm-hmm. But they don't have a nucleus. Um, they don't have a mitochondria or a little um, compartmentalized energy factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are yet very complex. So scientists started working with, with prokaryotes first. And, 
and trying to understand basic things um, like how DNA is replicated or how proteins are, are made um, at ribosomes and how messenger RNA is copied from the DNA. That was all first uh, hashed out and done in bacterial cells. Okay. I didn't know that they started there, but that um, you mentioned that those are prokaryotes. Is that the right way to say That's that? correct. So then I know that there's also eukaryotes, right? Right. So can you explain the difference between those kinds of cells? So a eukaryotic cell would have a nucleus. Okay. Um, it would have linear chromosomes within that nucleus. So the nucleus is a compartment, just for lack of a better term, in the center of the cell. And so you have some single-celled organisms that are eukaryotes, like yeast, like the yeast we, we use to make bread mm -hmm. or, um, you know, alcoholic beverages or whatever. That is a eukaryote. And actually, that's been a very good eukaryotic system uh, to study what goes on in eukaryotes because it's a single-celled creature. But humans and plants and the various animals are eukaryotes, and they're made up of cells that have a nucleus and have other compartmentalized little factories and places outside the nucleus uh, within uh, the cell matrix called the cytoplasm. Okay. Could you go a little bit further in explaining what some of those components are? You said little factories. I think I can remember some of the names like Golgi apparatus, if that's the right way to say it, um, and a couple other things, smooth ER, rough ER. So could you give um, an explanation of maybe what are some things we might find inside of that cell, the, the eukaryotic cell? So let's start in the nucleus, which is the center of the cell and which is like the command center, really, of the cell. That's where your mm -hmm. DNA is. And the DNA in the nucleus is in a specific three-dimensional conformation, depending on what type of cell that is, whether it's a brain cell, a liver cell, a heart cell, a muscle cell. It's very specific um, to the purpose of that cell and where it is in, in your body. And that, I think that's really amazing in and of itself, that mm -hmm. the DNA would be positioned just perfectly to carry on its uh, specific functions within the, the nucleus. Mm -hmm. And then when uh, DNA is copied and RNA molecules are made, they are actually ferried out of the nucleus through what are called nuclear pores in the nucleus. So the nucleus has all these specialized pores where various molecules go in and out of the nucleus and messenger RNAs will leave the nucleus and they'll actually be taken along specific pathways or highways. And mm -hmm. scientists have actually studied messenger RNAs or RNAs and watched them as they've labeled them and highlighted them and then watched them as they are transcribed from the DNA and then moved out of the nucleus into the cell. And they depending on, on which messenger RNA and which gene it is that's being expressed, they will follow a specific pathway or highway, just like when I come to work every morning. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I follow this road, and then I turn right on that road, and then left on that one, and mm -hmm. so on. These messenger RNAs will actually follow very specific orderly pathways when they leave the nucleus and go to, say, the ribosomes uh, outside the cell to be... Uh, translated into proteins, or maybe it's a functional 
messenger RNA and it, it has some other purpose and is taken somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Wow. Do you have any other examples of maybe some things we would witness in a cell if we were able to go deep inside there? Yeah, what's really amazing is that cells are very orderly in, mm -hmm. in what they do. And not only are they compartmentalized in a very orderly fashion, you have all these different compartments outside the nucleus that do different things. So, for example, you have the, the Golgi uh, apparatus. So when a protein is made at a ribosome, oftentimes it is taken to the Golgi apparatus, it is folded in a specific conformation beyond the, the folding that occurred when it was translated. Uh, maybe molecules are attached to it, um, maybe carbohydrates, maybe some metal ion, um, and then it is processed just like in a factory. And what's really amazing, what I think is amazing, is how everything gets to where it's supposed to go mm -hmm. in a cell. It's like a mail system. And so it, the, the various cellular molecules actually have addresses in them mm. that tell the machinery of the cell where to take it. And there's actually little motors and little systems in the cells that move things around. And based on the address uh, of that molecule, they take it to where it needs yeah. to go. And I, I think that's absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is so neat. Uh, just to think about, so cells, like I can't see an individual cell on me right now, but what's going on inside each cell, but if I just thought of one, we have something so specific. The way you mentioned, I love that. Of, if I go to work, you know, I need to put the address in the GPS or wherever I'm going, and then I go a specific way. And that's something I have to do on my own. So imagining that my body can communicate all those things within a cell to do it all correctly. Um, that's smart. <laughs> that's smart well, design. Yeah. What's even more amazing is how fast it happens. Mm. And you think about the chaos when you're driving to work in, in yes. rush hour, you know, mm -hmm. it's, <laughs> <laughs> you're just happy to get to work a lot of times, especially in the Dallas, uh, Texas yes. traffic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you think about a cell, stuff happens in there so quickly. You know, think about how effortlessly, you know, we move our muscles mm -hmm. and our fingers and, and our eyes and everything. It, it all happens so instantaneously and quick. Mm -hmm. That's all basically being conferred by these processes in your cells that are allowing these things to happen at what I like to say warp speed. And so... <laughs> Yeah, it makes what happens in, in rush hour traffic trivial, you know, what yeah. goes on inside our cells. And we have billions of cells in our body all working together, uh, all coordinating their activities one with another so mm -hmm. that we can, you know, seamlessly function mm -hmm. as, as, as healthy adults. And then when things go wrong with those systems and, mm -hmm. you know, then we see the, the consequences in human disease and, mm -hmm. and illness and things like that. But when everything is functioning at, at top level, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It makes me want to ask my cells to take me to work instead of the GPS. <laughs> there you go. They'll probably have a better route. Um, but that's, that's so great. I love just reflecting on that. It amazes me. And you mentioned earlier, um, you know, brain cell or heart cell, lung cell. So there are different types of cells. Can you explain that? Because it's not just human cells making up everything in a human. There's different cells within a human, and then you mentioned the bacteria, so there's 
different types of cells. Can you explain some of those types? Well, yeah. I mean, there's different types of cells. I mean, there's so many different types of cells mm -hmm. within your body. There's different types of cells within a single tissue. So even your heart muscle has many different types of cells within it. And what's really amazing is they all have to work together. Mm -hmm. And they're all attached to each other. And so cells have outside them what's called the extracellular matrix, which is a very complex system in and of itself. But not only does it help cells connect one to another, it helps them communicate with each other. And this is the case even in plants. In fact, plants have what's called a plasma desmata, which is a, a literal pathway or a connection in between the cells where they can exchange uh, all sorts of molecules and proteins and things. Uh, human cells generally don't uh, exchange proteins through their connections uh, one with another, but they do exchange small molecules and things like that. And in fact, the electrical system within animal cells is absolutely amazing because we function basically off of, you know, chemical-based electricity. Uh, that's how our neurological systems function. It's how our heart pumps blood. It's, it's how many things work in the human body is through these electrical impulses generated and controlled by cells. Wow, that is so intricate. It's so interesting. And as we're talking about these things, I'm curious to know what do secular scientists say about cells? Is, is their understanding different or maybe the purpose or function of cells? Is, is there anything from their explanation that you could share with us? Well, we get most of the, uh, the research and discoveries that we know of about cells from secular scientists mm -hmm. who do not have um, a biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they've generated so much amazing data that it's, it's really phenomenal. Um, but, but yeah, what do they think? Um, you know, scientists are heavily compartmentalized. And I saw this working at a, a major university as a faculty member. Mm -hmm. uh, each individual member of our department, and I was in the Department of Genetics and Biochemistry, okay. you know, had their own little pathway or their own enzyme or their own little system that they focused on and that they researched. And, and that was kind of their, their world, their paradigm, so to speak. Some of them actually, you know, taught biology classes and things where they had to, to know more than, than their little area that they worked in as far as research goes. But I don't know. A scientist, you know, you, you would think that the evidence would be so obvious that they mm -hmm. would immediately want to point to a creator. And some of them did in, in some ways. They believed in a higher power, maybe not the the biblical creator that we know as the Lord Jesus Christ. But it, when it comes to evolution, scientists basically have to use their imagination when it comes to cells. Okay. And they claim that a cell magically somehow popped into existence uh, at the very beginning, and that this cell was the, the common ancestor to all the different types of cells we see in plants and animals and humans, and that somehow it evolved, you know, over, over millions of years to become that way. But the fact of the matter is, is that when we look at the diversity of cells, even, you know, if you want to say the most simple cells, uh, bacteria, archaea, 
uh, these types of prokaryotes, they don't really give us a nice, neat evolutionary tree picture. Mm -hmm. Their systems are so unique to, to that particular type of, of archaea or bacteria. It, it, it's phenomenal. In fact, one uh, evolutionist said, we don't have a tree of life. We have, I think he said, a web <laughs> of life. Okay. In other words, everything just shows up unique and magically. There is no progression of a, a simple cell to a more complex one that we see in nature. You know, evolution just doesn't, doesn't exist in the real world. Every kind of cell specific to that particular creature um, is, is a unique set of systems that are specific to that creature. And even with the same, within the same creature, as I said you know, previously, um, the cells in your system will vary depending on what, what they're doing and what organ that they're found in. Mm -hmm. That's really good explanation because um, that would be my question is if there was just one cell to start with, if we look at the cells we see and have today, would it even be feasible for all of them in their differences to have come from one cell? Just of how different they are, you know, how would you choose uh, this one started losing that feature, but this one gained that other feature in order to become these different cells. So that's interesting to try to put those two together. And if we look at how complex cells are, what would you say are the implications for us as Christians, as um, people who are trying to understand science even? Well, there is basically no nice evolutionary progression of simple to complex when it comes to cells. Cells are complex from the beginning, whether it's a bacterial cell, uh, an archaeal cell, which is a, another type of prokaryote. It's considered to be in a different domain than bacteria. Uh, even all the single-celled eukaryotes, the yeast and the various other things that we see out in nature, I mean, there is no nice linear mm -hmm. progression of simple to complex. Everything seems to have its own unique traits and properties, which appear suddenly in the whole spectrum of life. Mm -hmm. There is no tree of life. It doesn't exist. Every creature, every system has its own unique properties. And so that's exactly what we would expect from an omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing creator who made everything. It would just be mind-boggling complexity at every level that you look at it, and that's, that's what we see when it comes to cells. Yeah, I love that, and I know that's what ICR is all about, is showing if this is the way that cells are. We look at different cells, and we're amazed by them, and not just for the sake of uh, attributing any, any amazement to the cell itself, but saying if these things are so different, so unique, so intricate, um, they didn't just randomly happen, that we were pointing back to the Creator and saying, there's no way that these could have all just happened. They're so specific. It it had to, to come yeah. from some sort of design. So that, man, that is encouraging to me, and I hope people can see. You really got to look at what's around us, what we can find with, with the tools of science, and see how it, it points to someone else who made it and put it all together for a purpose with a purpose. Right. Um, do you have any other closing thoughts or encouragements for our listeners? Um, no, I've actually written a book. Uh, but yes, I do have your book here, and it is The Design and Complexity of the Cell. It's a nice glossy cover. I hope you can see it there in the camera. 
Um, but for those of us who are listening online, you can also go to our website, icr.org, and find his book. You've done a lot of work and research to explain what you've discovered with, with cells. Um, so please pick up that book if you're interested. But thank you so much for being here with us. We appreciate you sharing all this information with us. Well, thank you. It's been great. And yeah, that, that book is great. It's got lots of beautiful, glossy pictures of mm -hmm. cells and parts of cells and you know, it's a great book uh, for, say, high school students, even mm -hmm. college uh, students. And that's uh, that's kind of what I wrote it for was the, the high school, college uh, level, you know, for people to understand just the amazing mm -hmm. design in cells. Yeah, that's great. And um, just want to encourage all of our viewers and listeners. So if you know someone who is in high school, in college, or just has a curiosity and inclination towards biology and the cell, please refer them to this book or gift it to them. Like I said, you can find it on our website or if you came and visited us at the Discovery Center. But thank you all for joining us. I appreciate you hanging on and following throughout our different episodes. We want you to keep watching, so subscribe for future episodes. Leave comments if you have questions, you want us to cover another topic. We'd love to hear from you. Leave a rating so that everyone knows how great this podcast is. But I'm Ivana, and we'll see you next time on The Creation Podcast.